This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's the not finishing. Game. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 69 of TLDR Podcast. Everybody, we made it all the way to 69. I really never thought we'd get here, but hey, we're here. Uh, well, by we, I mean Trade and James. Uh, Eric and uh, Alex are MIA tonight. Uh, they missed out on the best episode of the year, so sucks for them. But I was just going to say that. like, That's the worst week you know, for them to miss. What are you going to do? You know, Life gets in the way. Alex is on vacation. I don't know where, but wherever you are in the world, Alex, hopefully you're on a good vacation. Eric, unfortunately, uh, is working. So it's literally opposite ends of the spectrum of why they're missing this podcast. <laughs> but hey. I think they're both trade. golfing, though, at the same time. They might be. Yeah, they might be, they might be together yeah. golfing somewhere. At um, 7 p.m.? Probably yeah, in Hawaii because, somewhere. I mean, like, right. right. That's what I was saying. He's in Hawaii golfing. And Eric just flew to Hawaii for work, you know. It just it just happens that way. Fair enough. Yeah. It it it's four makes PM too much sense, you know. Um. Anyway, <laughs> James, uh, I know life's been busy, but uh, how you been? How how are you liking the Forty Nine ers season so far? All that stuff. Uh. So you had a great before, last week. season. Yeah, <laughs> this last weekend was great because they didn't have to stress about the Niners losing, mm. so that was cool. Um. But life in the 49ers are having a lot of similarities right now. It's all just hectic and anxiety-ridden and stress-filled just because it's tough. But on the bright side, there's always a silver lining to things, you know. Friends got engaged yesterday. So congrats, Berto and Danica, on your yeah. beautiful engagement that we were all a part of. It was good to be part of, for the most part. Tyler was late, per usual. Poor planning by Tyler. It is what it is. But he ended up being there at the end of the day where we got to witness Danica crying and Berto being super happy at the end of the day, the pop champagne, we're all good. So congrats once again. Indeed. Congrats to those guys. Uh, I've known Alberto for almost 10 years now, which is crazy. Uh, so it was super awesome to see him and Danica get engaged. Uh, I was there for their first kiss. So it was awesome to see them, uh, you know, be there to uh, solidify their love there with the engagement on the beach there at Crystal Cove. Super awesome moment. Super happy to be a part of it even though I was a little bit late to the party, but I was there for the most important part. So that's all that matters. Uh, Traded, you were on time. How are you? And how are you doing? No, yeah. I mean, I'm always on time. I mean, I, I like, I try to be. Punctual trading. Uh, I'm good. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say work is, isn't quite as stressful in terms of hours as you guys, but um, there's just a lot going on in my life, um, which is, you know, it's actually fun because it's been, there's been a little bit of a lull. So finally starting to see a little bit of ramping on that side but uh the baseball i'm watching is fun i mean i've, I've been enjoying the watch, watching some baseball 
I didn't get to watch as much football as, as I normally do on a Sunday yesterday, but you know, it was for a good reason, but it just was a little weird. I felt like I did not know what the hell happened yesterday. Um, and I just had, you know, you just open up your fantasy fantasy, you know, weeks and you're like, Oh, I won. Okay, cool. I, I had no idea. Cause you're really not focused on that, but there are more important things sometimes, but not next week, next week's back to normal. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I don't think I watched, <laughs> I don't think I watched a second of football yesterday. It, it was a crazy day. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely good to, you know, we played hockey yesterday. We won again. Uh, the other team got really upset about it for some reason. Um, yeah. It's about time that we thought about moving up, moving up. Yeah. I, think yeah, I don't understand why you guys play in such a scrubby league. I, 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 don't, I, I don't look, get, like, I, it sounds like it could be a kind of team and trade an elite hockey player. Yeah. It could be kind of two faced. It sounds from one side, it sounds like the league puts us in there mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because we want it. I'm slowly creeping to every player on the bench. Actually, I did this during the whole third period. I'm like, you guys think we, we should, we can move up. And they're like, eh, maybe, I mean, I, here's the thing. I think we'll lose more games, but at least they'll be competitive. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I just, I think certainly the first three, I mean, we, our goalie has not given up a goal. I think now for eight straight periods, um, we probably outscored our opponents, something stupid. Like, I don't know what you say, like 18 to two or something in three games um so yeah i think yeah. it's a, i think it's not a bad idea to start thinking about moving up a division if, if if this is the theme for for the whole season uh i would be down because like i said i and winning is fun but it's not fun when you're winning you know by seven goals every game it just gets to the point where you're just there's there's no kind of uh, uh competitiveness to it you're just out right. there and not doing it it's just, and i think you know, we'd be, be, be it would be a, it would be a jarring experience, but I think that we'd become a better team. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that's how you get better is by, is by being challenged. And, you know, there's, there's maybe like two players on our team that are being challenged every night in our league. So everyone else I think is getting a little bit bored, but anyway, that that's a future empire snipes back uh, saga to be continued. Uh, currently we're three, and zero and dominating everybody. So that's how that's going. Uh, so real quick, before we get into trading James's segment, uh, since I'm hosting this week and, you know, it is October and MLB postseason is going on, let's just get a, we're just going to give a quick little recap and kind of update of, of where we're at with that. Uh, so on the American League side and the American League Championship Series, we have the Red Sox and the Astros. That series is currently tied one to one. The Astros won game one, five to four. Red Sox came back and won game two, nine to five. They are currently winning uh, game three in, at Fenway, nine to three. The Red Sox are putting on quite a show offensively. They have hit 18 home runs this postseason so far. Uh, the second most by a team is the team they're playing, the Astros, who have eight. So they have more than doubled the next team is in terms of amount of home runs. Uh, they have hit three grand slams in this series already. They became the first team ever to hit two grand slams in one game. They're in game two. Uh, Kiki Hernandez is out of his mind. He's, he's just slaughtering every baseball that comes with within a uh, strike zone for him um so the red sox are looking pretty good here uh through two and a half games uh, a lot of people pretty much had the astros you know kind of running away with this series but really if you if you look at the matchup here they're pretty evenly matched they're, they're two teams with high powered offenses and two teams which pitching wise aren't that great especially with the injury to lance mccullers jr on the astros side like you know, this Red Sox pitching and the Astros pitching are pretty even, you know, in terms of being not that great. <laughs> you know, they, they, you don't, don't, don't really know what to expect, but offensively, it's going to be a shootout. 
So, uh, James, what do you think of this series? Uh, are you, I mean, obviously it's still early. So we still got seven games to go, but the Red Sox are looking really, really good to pull up and pull up, pull off an upset here. Is that what, how you're thinking the series will end up? Yeah, I, I think it's momentum. It's, it'll like momentum based, just like every other sport. The Red Sox are rolling, man. Like you said, 18 home runs is a ridiculous amount in three games. Like it, that's crazy. It's uh, the Red Sox, like I had mentioned earlier, like earlier on, we had mentioned Chris Sale coming back and you were like, oh, is he going to be the, the dude that makes this Red Sox team go? And I said, no, he's going to be a good momentum shift and he's going to be a good like locker room guy. But it's really going to be Kosh Warber, who was also acquired at that trade deadline. And Kosh Warber has been going off. He hit one of those Grand Slams today. Like he is an everyday kind of player who can hit well. And he's a good leader on top of that. He's a good dude. People love him. And I think him being on this team is really propelling this Red Sox team to be as good as they are. Yeah, it really is remarkable um, just how much the offense has carried this team. And, you know, it's it's you see that almost every year a, a wild card team that gets hot at the right time and they just breeze through the postseason. And that's kind of what the Red Sox are doing. And, you know, the Red Sox have that playoff magic. They've had it for a long time. You know, that that crowd at Fenway is unbelievable. Probably the best postseason crowd in all of baseball. Um, it's amazing. So it, it, it should be a good, fun series. If, if, if you like home runs and you like big, uh, huge uh, run scoring games, this ALCS is for you. Um, I think it's going to be that way for, 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 for however it is, for however it ends, it's going to be like close to 10 runs, 15 runs combined per night. Easy. So trading, what do you got? Yeah. I, I, I think the Red Sox have, are going to win this series. And I think it's because the Astros just don't have the ability to stop the offense. But I actually worry about the Red Sox playing either of you guys, either Dodgers or the uh, or, or the um, Jesus, the Braves, because they give up a lot of runs. They're actually giving up a lot like they're they're, they're maintaining their leads, but they're giving up a lot of runs to get there. And it, for a team that's what's very, very um, offensive, heavy or very, I'm sorry, not heavy, offensive, strong. Um, offensively sound like the Dodgers. I just feel like if, if they let that become a habit, it's going to bite them in the ass. I mean, they did that against the Rays. Yeah. They got out of there, but it, it, it's not like they had, they didn't have to, you know, scrounge to finish. I mean, yeah, the, the Astros were, uh, are up nine, three, but they were up nine, zero. Like they, and they let them score in bunches. And that's just a scary recipe for, you know, in my eyes, they gotta be, they gotta be worried about the defensive side of the ball too. Oh, for sure. You know, I think bullpens and late inning management is a huge part of the postseason. Um, you're seeing that in, in, in the other series as well. Um, tip, you know, traditionally the American League is very offensive heavy and the National League is very pitching heavy. And, you know, sometimes you, but this year, I feel like in the playoffs, you're seeing that to a much larger scale. Like the, the series in the National League, it's been pitching, 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 low scoring games on the on the American League side. It's been high scoring games, huge power offense more so more of a dramatic shift than it usually is. So it's going to be interesting to see whichever two teams do meet in the world series. You're going to have the same, like either way, it's going to be a strong pitching team from the national league versus a high powered offense from the American league. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the world series plays out for sure to see which one really is more important or which one plays better in the postseason. Um, so, but, but let's talk about that, that national league championship series, Dodgers, Braves, the Braves have kind of shocking the world a little bit uh, Two walk-off wins in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Dodgers, both really good, close, hard-fought games on both sides. Um, it's been a great series so far, unfortunately for me. The Dodgers are down 0-2. Uh, the series will be going back to Los Angeles starting tomorrow uh, for, for, for three straight games. 
Um, James, what do you think about the, uh, the, the, the Braves so far, um, how, how they've matched up against the Dodgers? And, you know, are you worried for the Dodgers or how do you see a series uh, playing now that it's uh, shifting to Los Angeles? I'm never worried for the Dodgers because I'm not rooting for the Dodgers. So it doesn't worry me at all if they're doing bad. But to everybody's surprise, but not to my own, um, the Dodgers and the Braves were pretty much neck and neck in every single major statistical category during the regular season. When it comes to pitching, when it comes to hits, ERA, or just like batting average, they were right there. It was like Dodgers first, and then a spot or two back would be the Braves. And so seeing this and seeing how this is playing out right now does not surprise me. In the middle of the season, if this happened, I'd be like, whoa, this is crazy. But towards the end, the, the Braves really picked it up, and they really rose all their statistical categories, and they brought up the level of play to postseason level of play. And they've been playing at that postseason level of play for some time now. And that being what it is, they're used to this. The Dodge, on the other hand, they kind of cruise here and there. They've, they're used to being good. They don't really have to fight all that much, but now they're facing adversity two series in a row. What are they going to do with it? Are they going to really push into it, or are they going to fall? Right now, it's coming down to timely hitting. And that's that's baseball when it comes to these pitching duels and low scoring. It's all about timely hitting. And the Braves are hitting timely hits. The two walk-offs, that's as timely as it gets. When you need the most, it's going to happen. They're going to continue doing that. Yes, they're going go to go to Dodger Stadium. But even at Dodger Stadium, the Dodgers don't really know how to play there just yet when it comes down to wind or whatnot. Like people – remember when the uh, that last out in game like three or four or whatever, whatever it was against the Giants and uh, – what you do is hit a basically a home run ball, right? And it was just like the wind caught it, and the dog and the Giants caught the ball end of the game, and everybody's pissed off at the wind, and it's like, nah, bro, they've all been playing in the same environment the entire time. Chill out. The Dodgers, as unfortunate as it is, like they're it gets windy out here sometimes, especially in October. And do the Braves not play in that? Absolutely, they do. Dodgers. Not so much because for the most part they play in some fair weather, fair weather weather, because that that's a term. But, um, but I think the Braves are more suited to, to win this series than the Dodgers are. And no, it does not worry me because I hope the Dodgers lose. <laughs> that was that's, that's that's a fair response to the worry question. Uh, <laughs> uh, trading. So real quick before we get into this series, we you know we've been talking a lot about on text and in person about the way that the game five of the NLDS ended. You know it was quite controversial. Uh, just your thoughts on on that call the umpire made and all that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's taken me a few days to. I mean, look, I I'm not like the hugest baseball Giants fan. I was I I really jumped on their bandwagon because obviously my fiance's family is involved, and I was the only one on this podcast to even say they're going to make the postseason, let alone winning the the whole division um, in the regular season. But I I think my biggest gripe, and I and it, I believe it was a full count. And I believe I, well, I, I could be wrong. It might've been, it was, o a, it was a two, but it, regardless, Oh, two count. Um, you got, um, I believe the batter, I don't remember who exactly it was, but I believe he was like, Oh, for 20 inches or like it, it's, it, it probably didn't matter. It was going to, it was going to end off the strikeout on the next pitch, assuming that checks swing was correct. The problem is for, for, for the, the season to go 162 games, for two teams that we were by far the best in the in, in in baseball for the entire 
162 game series, the first and the be- first and the second of the entire league, to go to a game five situation, for it to be in in you know the 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 last inning to you know it really came down to the final final pitch. It came down to a final pitch, for it to end on a check swing that was botched. It, it just leaves a sour taste in any in any baseball fan mouth because it just is like that's how this whole thing ends it's like we've been anticipating this whole thing this whole season you know we were so excited to have this series and then it ends off that it's like i I feel like the umpire even if he wanted to get out of there and i have i have a hunch he just wanted to get home and fuck his wife that's all he wanted to do and and so he's like fuck it we're getting we're ending this game now and i'm like dude just you could have taken one more pitch just one more pitch and then at least it would have been solidified on a legit strike but it is what it is. At the end of the day, I don't think it would have mattered. I think the Giants just just couldn't, you know, couldn't find a way to, to find the offense in the end there. And, um, you know, it is what it is. The best, the better team won. It, it's just how it ended that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even even me being on the on the winning side of that, like that's just not the way you want to end. You want you want to see a, a swing and a miss. You want to see a called strike three. Um, you know, you want to. You, you want to be legit and especially when it's a blown call like that on a non-reviewable play. Like I said, it, it the, the series and the, not just, not just the NLDS, but the whole season between these two teams, you know, accumulated into this one final game. And it was an amazing game, an amazing season. And for it to end like that was just like, fuck, like really like that's how we're ending it. So I, I totally agree. And, you know, for giants fans, you know uh, I don't agree with you ever, but I will say that, you know, to, to, to lose your quite a, an amazing season like that really sucks. So I, I, I do feel for the, for the, for the Giants fans in that, re, in that regard, if it was flipped, I'd be I'd be so, so freaking mad. So um, unfortunately, it happened. Uh, the Dodgers are down 0-2 if it makes you feel any better, Giants fans. Um, so, you know, so going into the rest of the series, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, the, the Dodgers last year, it's, it's, it's kind of like deja vu. We were down 0-2 to the Braves in the NLCS last year. Um, very different year, obviously different teams uh, were, you know, we got home, we got home and away uh, crowds this year versus being in, being at a neutral site. Uh, we do have Walker Bueller coming in game three. Uh, that for me is a must win. Um, but, like, I think James, you know, you mentioned that the, the timely hitting of the Dodgers, you know, I think that's what's, what the series is going to come down to. Like w- what team can get the right hits in the right moment, because you know, both teams are going to bring it on the, on, on the pitching uh, side of things. And, on paper, the Dodgers have a better offense, but it hasn't shown up so far this series. Um, it's been very hard to come by. So uh, the, the Dodgers just got to put better at, at bats together. It's, the series is not over by any means, um, but it's getting to the point where you're getting a little bit nervous. Um, I think we, I think the baseball community as a whole would love a Dodgers-Astros World Series rematch. At the moment, it's not looking like that's what's going to happen. Um, but check in next week, because by next week, we will know who will be playing in the World Series. And We'll, we'll certainly have that World Series preview coming for you. Uh, Tyler, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Does does the fact that both games ended in a walk-off fashion, like that is a momentum builder. Did, do you think that plays into it at all? I mean, like, it, I, I think I think it's that's a bigger deal for the Braves than it's for the Dodgers. Um, I think for them to beat Kenley Jansen and Blake Trinan, you know, two of the most formidable bullpen arms in the game, to get walk-off hits off both of those guys – is a huge confidence boost for that whole team. Um, so I think it's a bigger deal for the Braves. I think for the Dodgers, you know, I think that they've been around this. I, they've been in the postseason so much. They got so many veteran uh, players on that team. 
they, they've been here before they, they've been down they tend to play better when they when, uh, when they have their backs against the wall so I'm not too worried on about it for on the Dodgers side of things but I think it does definitely wake up this Braves team and it gives them a lot of confidence and it's going to make them harder to beat so I, I, I think it's definitely a much bigger deal for the Braves um, than it was for the Dodgers um, you know and unfortunately I wish we, 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 we could have got one of those two games there uh, but it didn't happen so uh, hopefully we come back home and you know, at least win two out of three, if not all three of those games at home. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the series goes back. Hopefully the series goes back to Atlanta. That's really the goal yeah. here for the next uh, three days. So we'll see what happens, but uh, that's all I have for, for baseball. So keep tuning in. I mean, these games are super fun to watch. They're close. There's home runs, there's records being set all over the place and we got fans back and, and home fans back. And that makes it for super, super fun. Um, so yeah, when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking fantasy football, uh, our weekly waiver wire segment with James, who you're going to pick up for your teams that are struggling, because I know if you listen to the podcast, like your fantasy team sucks. So you might as well pay attention. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Welcome back, everybody. How's your fantasy season going? Uh, we're six weeks in, uh, getting down to the nitty gritty. There's bye weeks. It's getting crazy. Uh, so James is going to help your team out right now. Who do you got to pick up to win week seven? James, what do you got? Uh, I got a lot because this week is crazy. But before we get into that, let's give a little status update for a fantasy league here. I won by probably about 50 points. I'm up to four and two. Alex beat Tyler. Alex is now three and three. And Tyler is also three and three. So a battle right there. Traden beat Eric. <laughs> so Traden goes to four and two, and Eric is zero and six. Brutal. Eric is really bad at fantasy football. It's brutal. Uh, but like I mentioned, this is going to be a pretty big week for a lot of people because a lot of people's teams are going to suck because we have a lot of teams on bye, guys. First off, the Buffalo Bills are on bye. Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars, Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said Clippers. But the Chargers, Minnesota Vikings, and Pittsburgh Steelers. So all those teams, are, with exception to Jacksonville, are pretty much stacked with fantasy players. So it's going to be a it's going to be a big week. But we're going to start with the quarterback here, and I picked Derek Carr from the Las Vegas Raiders, Eric's favorite person of all time. And Eric isn't here to talk shit, so Eric, you're wrong because you probably should pick him up because your team sucks. He's owned forty seven percent of leagues. He put up twenty one point five points this week. 18 completions on 27 attempts for 341 yards and two touchdowns. For the first time in his career, I feel like he's finally utilizing the deep ball and his deep threats because he has some speedsters out there. Henry Ruggs is fast. Uh, Brian Edwards is fast too. He had a 48-yard touchdown throw, and he also followed it up with a 51-yard pass. Like he's going deep. He's getting more efficient with the deep balls, something that John Gruden did not let him do. So I think he's out here trying to prove John Gruden wrong. <laughs> Not that John Green was talking shit, but he's trying to be like, yo, I can do this on my own. Up next, he plays the Philadelphia Eagles, who we all know is a pretty bad defensive team. That there, there we go. Yeah, Tyler's yeah, nodding. Man. That's his team's defense sucks. Yeah. And I'm really feeling it's gonna be a shootout. Las Vegas Raiders and Philadelphia Eagles is gonna be a high-scoring game. The Eagles have a very little rush. They don't like rush the ball a lot, so it's gonna be a lot of passing, which means probably more time on the clock. So a lot of points, a lot of time. It's a recipe for success for pretty much fantasy players all around the world. Trading, what do you think about Derek Carr? I've, I, dude, I've always been a fan of Derek Carr, uh, and I, and I, you know, you you bring him up in a time actually a week that is really important because I actually need 
a quarterback. I mean, he's not going to replace he, Derek Carr is not going to replace your quarterback long-term. That's just not, especially if, if you have someone like Josh Allen, it's just not going to happen. However, in weeks like this, where he's not playing, this is a perfect opportunity. Look, the guy has, the guy has, has 40, has four games. Uh, I'm sorry. Now fought no four games. Well, at the 20 plus um, fantasy, you know, level, and the other game, the other, the other couple games, you know, wasn't quite as strong, but he's hitting two, almost two touchdowns every single game um, besides the Chicago game last week. And again, he's going against Philly. Philly, interestingly, has not given up a lot of passing yards per game, but they give up a lot of touchdowns. And that's where, that's where you're going to get your points. Plus, I don't know if, if, if they're, if, you know, if they're going to be able to handle this, you know, quite strong offense um, in, in Raider uh, in uh, with the Raiders and, Opposing quarterbacks are completing 71.5% of passes. That's a lot of completions that the Philadelphia Eagles are just giving <laughs> up. Like that's insane. Um, so I, it, it's, they're, they're among the worst in the NFL, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. So unfortunately I'm sorry, Tyler, this is kind of a perfect opportunity if you need a quarterback. So what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, I agree. If you have a uh, anyone playing against the Eagles defense, like play them because the Eagles defense is absolute shit. Uh, so I agree with that. Uh, I mean, Derek Carr is a great option. Uh, I like Derek Carr, but you know, there's another guy I think for this week coming up, I like a lot too, and his name is Jameis Winston of the New Orleans Saints uh, playing against the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, this, this Seattle Seahawks defense ain't what it once was. Uh, they've actually allowed on average 306 yards passing so far this season. Um, you know, recipe for success for, success for a quarterback. Uh, Jameis Winston, you know, like I said, not going to re- replace your long-term quarterback, as Trayden mentioned. Um, but if you're a quarterback, so far this season, he's put up 15 – or sorry, 12 touchdowns and uh, two uh, two picks and averaging 18.1 points uh, per start. So putting up pretty solid numbers there. So if you need for a quarterback, not a bad option. So if Derek Carr, you know, he's, he's, owned, he's owned 47% of leagues. Jameis Winston's only owned about 30 uh, so if Derek Carr is not available, Winston might be a good second option. There. That's pretty good. I was going to try and just like, yeah, I was going to try and come at you with that, but damn, you made some good points. That's pretty so good. Tyler, way to show me. Oh my God. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the running back position. Another good running back streamer here is JD McKissick from the Washington football team. Owned in 46% of leagues. He put up 19 points last week, eight carries for 45 yards and also at eight receptions for 65 yards. And most leagues out there are PPR leagues, not standard leagues, which means every reception is worth one point. So pretty much the, if you have a receiving running back, that helps you a bunch, a.k.a. look at CMC. He's the best running back in fantasy when he's healthy for a reason because he runs the ball and catches the ball, and that's what J.D. McKissick does as, as well. Uh, he is 1B on this team in terms of running back, and he's 1B to Antonio Gibson, but Antonio Gibson has a stress fracture in his leg, and so he's going to be in out of the lineup because of that and he also just popped up on the injury list with a calf injury so two lower body injuries on two different parts of your body it's gonna be tough it's gonna he's gonna be in and out of the lineup a lot more take a lot more time off which means more time for jd mckissick he was already the third down back to begin with before antonio gibson went out so he was out there getting a decent amount of points like before before this game before he got 19 he he scored decently well he was out there as part of the game plan before antonio gibson he's going to be way more part of the game plan now and also Taylor Heineke, as much as he threw deep in the wild card in the playoffs a couple years ago, nowadays he throws short. He likes his tight ends and he likes his running backs. And he does a lot of check downs and does safe throws. So that's going to be more on J.D. McKissick. Up next, it's Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is still going to throw a bunch. 
Aaron Rodgers is going to score a lot of points. The Packers are going to be a lethal offense, which means the Washington football team will have to throw as well because the Washington football team's defense is not good. I had so many high expectations going into the season, but they're bad. So we're going to have to pass a lot more. If you pass a lot more, Jaden McKiss is going to get a lot more work. Todd, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, crazy thing with uh, McKissick is I've had on the, the the league that we're in, I've had Gibson and McKissick on my team since the draft. Uh, and I have not started McKissick one week, um, which he's like one of the biggest boomer bust players in the league. But as you mentioned, with Gibson being out now, this dude's a very, very good option to have in your uh, running back slot there. Uh, I like this pick a lot. You know, I've, I've watched him on, on my bench you know, every week score, you know, put up, you know, 15 plus points. And then next week he puts up like two points and it, it, he just flip flops. So I'm hoping that with this injury to Gibson is working my favor. Cause I'm just going to sit Gibson. I'm going to plug McKissick in there and figure out what else to do with running backs because I have none left. So, but at least I got McKissick on my team. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start him this week. Okay. I like that. Okay. What do you think? So I cheated a little bit. Um, and it's only, it's, it, 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 it makes sense. Um, okay. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say either of the, of the Browns backup running backs, whether it's Durantis, uh, dear Ernest Johnson or Demetric uh, Felton. And, it, and the reason I say it depends, it depends on your league and it depends on what happens with Nick Chubb. If Nick Chubb is out, I think the, I think you're going to see Johnson take the majority of the snaps. He is a, a typical running, running back. He's, he's basically the, I'm not going to say he's Nick Chubb because I absolutely love Nick Chubb, but he's, he's like that player that he's just a, a typical, just run guy. And then you have Felton on the other side, who's probably going to be, you know, be, be pretty appealing in PPR. And if, and if um, Chubb is, is active, uh, Felton will take a lot of the passing, uh, a passing role now that cream hunts hurt. So this is a team that has a very solid offensive line. This is a team that's doing very, very well. I like, I like the Browns a lot and they have that, they have that two headed monster on their running game that they've actually built out even below Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And now that both of them are potentially going to be out next week, Kareem Hunt for sure. But Nick Chubb is an, is a maybe that, that elevates Johnson and Felton. It just kind of depends on, you know, on Nick Chubb's status. And I think the stat of uh, what kind of league you're in, um, it's, it's going to just going to come down to that you're playing Denver. I mean, could go either way i I can't, I can't really tell you if it's if it's going to be one way or another i can't really give you that but um i'm, I'm just going to say either the browns running backs that's actually a really good pick uh, because baker mayfield keeps re-injuring that left shoulder of his so he's going to be less likely to throw these upcoming games it's going to be more so just on the running game so that's a that's a solid pick moving on to the wide receiver position I picked Darna Moody out of Chicago. Owned at 46% of leagues. He put up 15.5 points on five receptions from eight targets, 45 yards, and one touchdown. This dude, you may not have heard of him, but he averages about seven, eight targets a game. That's huge for anybody. If you can get seven, eight targets a game, you're a big part of that game plan. And Justin Fields is getting more and more confident and comfortable in being an NFL quarterback with each passing week. He's going into his third week as a starter. So just like Trevor Lawrence, you see Trevor Lawrence getting better every single week. So I think that Darnell Moon or Justin Fields is going to be just as good. The better Justin Fields is, the more his receivers will get work. Allen Robinson is still the number one receiver on that team, and he's still really respected and really feared. And so he's going to command a lot of that attention. So the cornerbacks will be shading Allen Robinson's way, leaving the cornerback two to be shading Darnell Moody. Up next, they play Tampa Bay. And when you hear Tampa Bay, you think of that really, really, really good defense that just shuts down people. Not so much anymore. 
Their run defense is exceptional as it was last year, but the pass defense, that's uh, it's not looking good. They have, they've lost a starting safety and they've lost their top three cornerbacks, including Richard Sherman, who just signed due to emergency. He's out for a couple weeks because of a hamstring strain. So now you're down to your fourth and fifth cornerbacks trying to guard Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. It's not looking good. And I expect Tampa Bay to just run up the score. I mean, that's what Tampa Bay does. They're good offensively. They're good on the run defense, but they're past the defense. Not so much. It's going to be another high-scoring game, Chicago and Tampa Bay. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, you pretty much nailed all the points that I had for, for this guy. I, I really hadn't heard of him, um, but he seems to be uh, one of uh, Justin Fields' favorite targets, you know, so far. And uh, I think I think this is a, a great matchup against, as you mentioned, the Tampa Bay uh, passing defense that is not very good. Um, so I, I like this uh, matchup a lot. Um, I think it's it's got some really good potential. Um so I, my wide receivers are great, so I'm not picking them up. But uh, you know, if you if you're if you're looking for some wide receivers, Darnell Mooney, you know this 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 dude might you know end up being you know one of the best wide receivers uh, by uh, by the end of the season. So uh, definitely keep this name in your in the back of your mind. You know, Darnell Mooney, watch him out. Shane, what do you think, man? Yeah, I I think I think that's a I think that's a good pick. Uh, although I I do wonder if uh if tampa bay will finally figure it out you'd like to hope but maybe not i like aj green um i like aj green here he's he's, he's in 33 percent of leagues he's gotten doubled more than double digit um you know games in almost every single week except two he's also up against a houston houston texans defense this year or this uh week and you know, he's been very consistent as one of the secondary receiver options. And obviously we're not talking about a, a main receiver option here if we're talking waiver wire. So uh, he, he, he led Arizona in receiving yards uh, um, and what, and tied for the, the tied the team in catches. I, I just think that he's, he's actually, you know, really breaking out and, you know, he doesn't only have a, a few touchdowns on the um, on the season, but, um, he, you know, he has, he's getting double, he's getting targeted and he's getting double digit, um, you know, double digit points. So I'm going to have to hand it to AJ green on this one. I also thought about using AJ green for this, but due to recent transactions in the NFL and the guy that we're going to mention next, that's why I think AJ green stock value is going to go down instead of up. And that's because we're going to talk about tight end Zach Ertz, who was recently traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals. He's owning 48% of leagues. When he was with the Eagles and played against Tampa Bay, he put up 10.9 points, four receptions on six targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. I would pick up Zach Ertz in any league that he's available right now because the Cardinals offense is explosive. They are good in every level where run game or if it's the pass game, the deep pass game, the short, the mid, every aspect of their offense is good. The running backs, not so much, but Kyler Murray makes that up with his legs. And the Cardinals run on-premise, an air raid offense, which means it's predicated on throwing the ball mid to deep. There's They don't really have a short run or a short pass game just yet because typically they use the running back for that. But James Conner isn't that good of a pass-catching running back or a good route runner. He's more of a downhill kind of guy, which is yeah, with the Steelers a while back. And this is where Zach Ertz come into, comes into play. He's a tight end. Typically tight ends are short route running receivers for the most part and he's a better than average blocker so he's going to help you there and he's also going to be in a lot of plays there's a reason why he was traded halfway through the year the cardinals needed another threat 
to take some of that pressure off of um out of off of the hopkins. hopkins deandre hopkins there we go take me a while there take some of the pressure off him because for the most part they're shading towards him and you can't throw deep if everything is either sucking into kyler murray or playing in the backfield like deep in the later third the safety is just playing deeper if you have that middle round covered up that short game short to mid with a tight end that adds another layer another dimension to your offense that you didn't have before next up it's going to be houston houston texans are bad at defending tight end they're a bad team in general, but they're really bad against tight ends. They're the second worst defense against tight ends. They give up an average of 18 points per game to the tight end position in fantasy. So it's a perfect way for Zachary to get out there and just show what he can do. Trade, what do you think? Yeah, man, I have to agree here. I mean, here's the thing. You you were kind of second string in, uh, you know, behind um, Godert in, in Philly. And now you're going to a team that actually needs a tight end. You have a better offense. You have Kyler Murray, who is, I'm sorry, Tyler, better than Jalen Hurts. And you have no other competition at the, at the position. I mean, you have, you, you're the guy at that position. You're going to be able to take some, some of the uh, targets away from DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondo Moore. That's the only thing that kind of concerns me is the fact that they have, that Kyler Murray already has so many options. But I think this is going to open up a huge option for him, especially in the red zone. And I would, I think that this is going to be a big pickup. He might, he might become your, you know, given the fact that tight ends are so, you know, weird, given the fact that he's going to take that, that helm now, don't be surprised if, if he starts to, you know, run at a, at a high level for the rest of the season. Tyler, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, to Zach Ertz, you know, member of the Eagles, uh, won a Super Bowl with us, uh, Thanks for all that awesome memories. Uh, best of luck in Arizona. I think he's going to be great there. Um, you know, I'm super sad to see him go, but I think it was time I chased for him for his uh, tenure there and in Philly. Um, so I, I agree. I think he's going to be a great, a great pickup, and I think he's going to be a great fit in Arizona. Um, but for week seven of this fantasy uh, a week for tight ends, if Zach Ertz is not available, um, I think this guy, uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, of the Washington football team. Uh, that's his actual name. Uh, against Green Bay. Yeah, I know. Uh, he used to he, be a Cardinal. Fun fact. Boom. <laughs> uh, he was the kind of the number two wide receiver, or sorry, uh, tight end behind Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is hurt. Uh, he's going to be out for a couple more weeks. Uh, he was the number one tight end last week and put up 15.8 points. Not too shabby. Uh, look for that. Similar production again, uh, because he's pretty much their tight end. So, um, I think, I think Washington uses, uh, tight ends fairly, fairly, uh, frequently. Um, so he's their guy. So, uh, I think being, you know, p- picking up a tight end, that's uh, number one tight end on a team, um, that, that I can put up some points is rare, I think. So I think, uh, that's a pretty good option for you. Ricky Seals Jones. Ricky Seals Jones is a good pick, uh, for week seven. I agree. I do like Zach Ertz overall for the entirety of the rest of the season. But um, until Logan Thomas comes back, it is Ricky Seals-Jones' job. So good job, Tyler. Everybody, hope you guys enjoyed. Eric, you need to do some of this, man. Like, your team sucks. Pick somebody up, please. (laughs) Make you more competitive. Everybody else, good luck this week. It's going to be a tough week. Thank you, James. Best of luck to your fantasy team. Hopefully, some of our advice helps you win week seven. Uh, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we have our last segment of the pod already. It's a short one. 
uh, Traden is going to go through his oh puck moments after the first week of the NHL regular season. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's Dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Welcome back, everybody, for the final segment of episode 69 of TLDR Podcast. And, oh, Puck, the NHL is back and in full swing. Uh, the regular season got underway last week. Trade in. And we're going to have a little bit of overreaction. We got, we, we, we're got like less than a week into the season, and we're going to overreact to everything. So I'm super excited for this. Trade in. What are your NHL, oh, Puck, overreactions of week one? In honor of Eric, yo, holy puck, here we go. <laughs> We're going to overreact today. So I have a bunch of hot takes that I want to, that I want to throw your guys way. And you're going to, det- you guys are going to determine if I'm insane or if I'm right on the money, maybe. Um, look, look, it's a week in, everybody knows it, but we always have to overreact in the first week. It, it's the best part of the beginning of the season, right? So hot take number one. The Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights are in big trouble. Uh, the Jets are 0-2. Uh, they already sit with a negative four to goal differential, and they played the Ducks and the Sharks. No offense, James, and no offense, Kylie. Vegas is 1-1. One one. Okay, it's fine. But they sit with a negative three goal differential. Not great for a defensive team. And they barely scraped by a Seattle, a Seattle team that had their first game ever. And they lost pretty bad to the Kings. No offense, Tyler. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I have to ask James they're in trouble right uh, for one of them yes but before I get into that I think these two teams right now are just showing how important it is to have a good goalie or somebody who's hot and consistent guarding the net because th- this is a goalie driven league let's be real if you don't have a good goaltender it's going to be hard to find success but if you have a good goaltender, you can have a mediocre team and have success, a.k.a. Carey Price and the Canadians and they stay in the cup run. It happens. A good goalie can fix a lot of things, and a bad goalie will just make your team worse. Right now, Connor Hellebuck, widely regarded as one of the better goaltenders in the league, is sitting pretty at 0.849 save percentage. He is not doing good. Robin Leonard, he's supposed to be the number one guy in Vegas now. He got pulled after his last start against the Kings after giving up four goals like the dude 
this defense didn't really change all that much. They just changed the goalie, and the goalie is now Robin Leonard instead of Flurry, and it's not looking good for Leonard. I think for the overreaction, I think the overreaction is for the Jets. I think they will be better than these first two games have shown. Um, you, they have played some what many people consider weak teams in the first two games here, but, but there's a lot of differences in the Ducks play and the Sharks play from this season to last season. Granted, it's been two games, but the Ducks' power play, which was historically bad last season, is surprisingly effective this season. They've scored like four power play goals already, and it's only been two games. Last season, they scored 11. In the entire season, they scored 11 power play goals. They're almost there. They're a third of the way to their total through two games. Now, it's, it's ridiculous. And on top, I mean, the Ducks, I had my reservations about them again this season. But after two games, I'm like, oh, this could be a fun season. They're one and one. Um, I think they're currently winning against the Flames right now. But they're one and one. And then a loss came in seven seconds left in the game. It was just a flurry of shots going up against their back of goaltender. What are you going to do? It happens. It just fell, just fell the wrong way. It is what it is. They played really well that game. And then for the Sharks, the Sharks are actually faster too. For the first time, they've had 31 shots on goal against the last team that, like, to end when they put the Jets. And that's not something you're used to seeing with the Sharks because they're typically a bit older. Given the Vander Kane thing is a little weird. Uh, but for the most part, they've ramped up their style of play. They're not the same teams as they were last season. And it's showing. And for the Jets, I think the Jets just got caught up some bad scouting. Like, honestly, they came in there thinking they're going to beat these teams. They don't have to play hard. And they were in for a shock. They'll figure it out. That's a good team. But for the Knights, I think the Knights are in trouble. I think losing Flurry is way bigger than they expected. That dude, man, that dude was the calm. For a Ooh. Vegas team that's kind of ridiculous, like being Vegas, being Vegas, Flurry was the dude that made everything happen. He was the glue. And now you're relying on Leonard, who was up and down to begin with, while Flurry was just there and did everything consistently and quietly. Like, he was a well-liked dude. He was a leader. He was a mentor. You lose all that. You lose that good locker room presence. On top of that, injuries have happened in these first two games. Max Pacioretty, he's going to be out for a couple weeks with a broken leg. Mark Stone, who's the captain, has had a lower body injury, and I don't know what it is, but he might be out for a while too. So now you lose Flurry. And then you lose your captain and you're in the midst of this almost losing to a brand new team. And like they're, they're barely scraping by. It's not looking good for the Knights, man. Overreaction. No, it's a real reaction. Knights are in trouble. Woo. Well, at least I'm half right to defend my take on the jets. The reason that I'm a little nervous about the jets is they're in a very, very, very competitive division. Probably the most competitive division, which is actually could combat my my discussion about the Golden Knights because they're in the shittiest division. So they have a little bit more leeway. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're probably right. I'm probably overreacting on the Jets. They're a very good team. They just Connor Hellebuck just needs to pull his head out of his ass. Watch. He's going to do it against the Oilers. He always fucking does. Um, I mean, that save percentage and that goals against is is scary. Um, but I think that they'll figure it out. Um, you know, they're a good team. Um, but maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm right about the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Second take. The New York Islanders are the absolute shittiest team in New York, in the New York city area. That includes the Rangers devils and the Islanders. The Islanders are Oh, two and Oh, after two games, they give up an average five and a half goals per game against very good teams against the Carolina hurricanes and against the Florida Panthers. 
This isn't a get. I mean, yeah, you got to be able to play against good teams. You're in a hard division. They are shitty, dude. Tyler, am I crazy? Just a little bit. Two games. <laughs> Two games. All right, this Islanders team, they're going to be fine. Barry Trotz, he's going to figure this shit out. You know, some some teams get off to two, two, two slow starts. It'll even out. Why I have confidence in that is, I, you know, the Islanders are such a good sound defensive team. And obviously last week we talked about, you know, the first month of the season tends to be higher scoring because teams are kind of adjusting to everything. And on top of that, this year we have that cross-checking um, crackdown that's definitely going to lead to a lot more goals than it definitely has. I mean, you look at the scores every night, you're seeing like seven to five, five to four, like really high scoring hockey games across the league. It's not just the Islanders that are giving up a lot of goals. Everybody's giving up a lot of goals. All right. So that, that's really the main thing. There's such a good defensive sound team led by the same guy that's made them so defensively sound and had success. I don't see any reason why this Islander team is not going to be successful. And they're definitely going to be better than the Rangers and the Devils. Uh, I mean, the Devils, you know, they got, they got some good young talent. They've got to some exciting start this season. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Rangers, I thought, underperformed last season. I think that they're going to be in a playoff mix this year as well. But I think the Islanders are one of the favorites to win that division, much less that they're going to definitely, you know, be in a playoff spot when it's all said and done. Um, you know, they lost to Carolina and Florida, as you mentioned, two very, very good hockey teams. Um, the Islanders are not going to put up a lot of points. They're not, they're not an offensive juggernaut like those two teams are. Um, so they just – they're trying to figure out their defense – you know, obviously you think you would like to have it figured out from game one, but sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about the Islanders at all. By the end of the season, they will be the best New York area based team when it, when it, at the end of the season. Also, I was looking at their schedule and I want to make sure I read this right. They don't have their first home game until November 20th. Wow. What? I didn't yeah. notice that. So I want to make I sure. I read that wrong. There's I, no way they're on. I looked it up through ESPN. I, I, I did not cross-reference, which I was going to cross-reference with NHL or whatever. I did not do that. But it looks like they start the season off with a 12-game road trip. Uh, I so mean, in all of October. That's yeah, ridiculous. Like they, don't, they don't have a home game until November 20th. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Trade, uh, that doesn't, that can't uh, be correct. Trade November 20th. Yeah, I'm right. What? Isn't that wow. crazy? I, I was like mind-blown. I mean, who who the fuck had who the who 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 with the NHL scheduling department had a grudge against the New York Islanders and gave them like that is nuts. like a twelve game road trip to start the season. So like they're not gonna have their home opener until after Thanksgiving. It's fucking crazy. Wow. Um, well, Thanksgiving's after that, but that's or fine. right before Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were bang on until then. Oh um, no, dude. Around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. That that take that I had is definitely insane. Um, it's definitely insane. They're 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 gonna be fine. <laughs> they're definitely. They're, uh, although I will say, I got to give my props to to the Devils. They're showing some real spark with Dougie Hamilton. The Rangers they just haven't cranked up, but that team is better than they were last year. They're gonna be. A, they they could have made the playoffs last year if it wasn't for the way that the league was structured. They would have made the playoffs. Um, so I'd be worried about that team too. Um, I don't know what to make of the, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the rest of the division. This division is going to be tough. This, 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 this division may be the toughest in terms of all the teams close. Um, you know, we, I don't know what to, what to expect out of Philly, but Columbus is doing very, very well. Surprisingly um, Pittsburgh is, you know, doing very well without their two big shots. So it's a tough division. 
Um, do I think that the Islanders are the worst in New York City city region? No, but I do think that the but I do want to tip you know tip my hat to the Rangers and Jer- New Jersey Devils. I think that they're going to be better than they were last year, just given the fact that they've started so strong. Um, all right, so this next one of the la- of the of, of four um, is for both of you because both of you are involved with this. Okay, here's my take: a California team will be challenging for a playoff spot. So all three California teams sit with at least a 500 record. I know like 500 is two games regardless, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're close. Okay. They got wins. There's some teams in this, in this specific division that don't have any. So there you go. Um, should we expect a California team to be vying for a playoff spot? And if so, which one try to keep your bias at the door, but you can keep, you can bring it in. It's fine. James go. So, okay. Remind me again, how these playoffs work. It yeah. So the, so to everyone that, so forget what happened last year. Fuck the last year. It doesn't matter how it works is the top three teams in each division. Top three. go okay. top three. And then the next two in that conference are the wildcard teams. So theoretically a t- a team could, a, a division could send five teams, but you know, it's supposed to be three, three, and then two, whoever the next two in the conference. And obviously the Got central it. and the Pacific are in the West and the, and the East and the Metro are in the East Atlantic and the Metro in the East. So, okay. So out of the three California teams, the San Jose Sharks and Han Ducks, Los Angeles Kings, there is a possibility. Um, there always is. Cause I, I think it's going to be Edmonton up there and it's going to be the, um, the Knights will be, I think the three. Uh, so somebody's going to be two and then maybe one. Uh, we'll see about that. But I do believe in the Oilers. Um, but take my bias out of it completely, and I really am not being biased at all, like, honestly. Uh, I'm just going to look at the, the Sharks and just break down them. The Sharks are cancerous right now. They have so much going on there that it's just – that's no recipe for success with all the outside stories and everything. They'll play okay, but at the end of the day, the outside noise is going to get to them, and they're not going to be headstrong enough to be able to push through it. On top of that, you have a lot of money wrapped up into aging veterans who aren't really producing all that much right now. So the Sharks, just, they're, they're not going where they're supposed to be. Um, the Kings and the Ducks are where, where it comes down to. I like the Ducks mainly because I like their young talent. And I am a Ducks fan, yes, and I've watched the last two Ducks games as well. But their young talent is flourishing right now. And it's kind of incredible to see how much – how much better they've gone just in this one off season. Um, and like one of the recipes for, or one of the biggest indicators for regular season success is power play goals and how well your power play works uh, for the playoffs is pretty much which goal is better, but for regular season success, that doesn't necessarily translate into the playoffs is if you have a good amount of power play goals, if your special teams is effective, you typically win more games than you lose, especially now with the, all this cross checking going on, there's going to be a lot more penalty minutes, a lot more people going on PKs. So the better your power play is, the better you'll be. And the Ducks power play is incredible right now. You have Trevor Ziegler's 20 yeah, and Jamie Draws- Drysdale and Shattenkirk. They're, they're good point guards for this type of offense with the fast movingness of it. And Ryan Getzloff is now not even a center in the power play. He's more on the right wing, left wing with his right hand, his slap shot, trying to do his best of best screen, which doesn't really work out, but it's still something better than nothing. Um, I like them over the King because there's already some drama going on with Philip Deneau. Like, he's already not liking the way he's been utilized with the Kings, and it's been two games. And he was supposed to be, like, this acquisition to help them become better. 
not necessarily the best, but he's supposed to make them become better. And he's already causing problems, and that's tough. So I just like the way that the Ducks young players have progressed over what's going on in LA. All right, Tyler, what about you, bud? Uh, yeah, before we get into that, I actually haven't heard about the Philip Deneau issue. Anyone Check Twitter. Know? Check Twitter? Check okay. Twitter. Well, it's hard for me to give a take on it because if I don't know the background details, but whatever. I was going to say, you know, yeah, I th- the, I'm super excited for the Kings and Ducks uh, season battles because I think these two teams are both very evenly matched and they're two very exciting up-and-coming teams. Um, this season but I definitely think there's a really good shot that one of those two teams is going to be vying for a playoff spot especially when you look at you know I think the Western Conference is very top heavy like four or five teams that are like pretty much locks and then after that it's really in both divisions is kind of up for grabs so there's a lot of opportunity for a team like the Kings and the Ducks to make them to make a move at a wildcard spot I think that the, the middle part of the Western conference is going to be really tight all season long. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, on it, to be honest, trying to get my glass to the door, I do like the Kings better. Um, I think that they just have guys that are a little bit more, they have, they have way more veteran pre- presence than the ducks do. Um, I mean, um, Kopitar, you know, first game hat trick, you know, uh, Dowdy scored that first game. Uh, Brown scored that first game. Um, these are guys that have been around for a long time. They've won a lot of cups. Um, Jonathan quick, you know, isn't maybe the same level of players as, as he once was, but he's still there, uh, to kind of mentor Cal, Cal Peterson, um, who's kind of our next guy going in. So I think for me, both those teams have, have a lot of young talent, but I think the Kings have the edge with the, uh, the experience and that veteran presence who are still putting up numbers, you know, Kopitar is off to a great start, uh, to and Arvinson, two other, uh, free, free agent signings that we got both have also scored goals in the, in the, in the first two games. So um, I think that the veteran presence the Kings have, I think is going to help them be more successful this season and have a chance at making the playoff spot over the uh, Anaheim Ducks. Whew. Okay. Um, yeah. So my, my, uh, my take here is not really hot at all. It's this is, this is fine. Um, especially because the Pacific division is, I think is the most questionable in terms of what the fuck's going to happen because it's, definitely shittier than the rest of them but we're all shitty so it's okay oh, um, shitty together. I, I i firmly believe i mean going back to my first one i i you know vegas i think is going to figure it out um seattle's a wild card i don't know what the fuck to think about seattle i mean they lost 6-1 today but they they played pretty solid i don't know where the goals are going to come from that's that's my biggest worry about them um calgary we kicked their ass fuck calgary so that's all i have to say about that Vancouver, I don't. Again, I don't know what to expect out of Vancouver. I do expect the Edmonton is uh, that Edmonton is going to be in the top. I think that it actually leaves a, uh, an open spot for a wild card spot, I, or I'm sorry, for a third spot to vie in from one of the California teams, and they're going to fight. I think all of them are going to be able to fight. San Jose needs to figure out their goaltending. That's the biggest problem with them, and it always has been. And they're getting older. Um, Drew Doughty is at six points. Anze Kopitar seven points. Like those guys are s- clearly saying. I'm sick of fucking losing and they're, they're, they're giving it to them. And then Anaheim, like, dude, the young, the, these young bloods are coming into this game and, and making a difference. And John Gibson's healthy. Like I'm scared when John Gibson's healthy. So I think all, th- all, all three of these teams, probably more so the SoCal teams at this point are, are who, I, who would I um, would think they're going to vie for a third spot. 
to be honest with you guys, I don't think that they're going to be in a wild card position. I just think that the central is too strong and that's, who's probably going to be fine for a wild card. They're get, they'll be better than our bottom, than our mid to bottom teams in the Pacific. And it's just how sometimes it works. Um, so, um, so I don't think that takes too hot. You guys don't think that takes too hot. I think it's because the Pacific division is such a fucking wild card and nobody fucking knows. Um, last one, this one's my favorite. I, you guys get to tickle my fancy now. Okay. So, so I'll tickle you. So last week, 69, you know, you got it. (laughs) Last week, James and I, (laughs) James and I were at a bar last week and James asked me, he's like, dude, why are you so hard on your team? Why are you so hard on the Oilers? Well, it's because I just objective and, and I just am sick of losing and I just want them to win. However, there is one shining spot, two shining spots, where we're going to talk about one who I like to talk about every single moment of every single day. And that's Connor McDavid. Okay. My take he is going to break 150 points this season. So what that would mean is that he's, he, he would continue his, 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 his clip at 1.88 goals, or I'm sorry, points per game. If he did that, he'd be about 154 points on a full, full season. Um, right now he has two assists in the first game, three assists, and he got a hat trick last game against Calgary. He plays the Ducks on Tuesday. So James, is that a hot take? And, or if it's not a hot take, what what what's your over under for uh for points for Connor McDavid this season? How many has he what like what's the highest he's scored in his career? Uh 113. But that's at like 1.4 goals or points per game. So last season was his best season on a on a per game basis. And at how 1. many goals? How many points 1.8 was last season? I think he does it. I really do. Um he's gotten better and better each and every year. Uh, a couple times ago, or a couple not times ago, but like maybe five, six months ago, we talked about Connor McDavid and how the grace just keep getting better and better because they find the small things in their game and they improve upon them. It's no longer the big things like how do I shoot my shot better or skate better. It's no longer that. It's more the intricate details about every little thing that gives you lets you be one percent better than you were yesterday. And as small as one percent is over time and exponentially that grows and makes you a better player. And he finds the, the smallest things in his game and improves upon them and is more fundamentally sound because of them. And we've just seen every single season, he gets better. His points go up. The Oilers will win. If Conor David scores two, at least two points, it just, it's just statistically bound to happen. It's going to like, they're a good team when Conor David plays well. And you can say that about anybody ever. Like when Michael Jordan played well, the Bulls probably won. It just it comes down to that. When your best player plays well and commands the ice in the, in hockey, you will do well. And especially if your best player is the best player in the National Hockey League at that point in time, I think he's going to do it. Tyler, uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, it's so hard because he is the generate. He's our generation's Wayne Gretzky, right? Like just this unbelievable talent. He's going to shatter a bunch of records, 150 points, a lot of points, you know, and I think that, you know, we'll see kind of how this new cross-checking crackdown really does increase the goals. Obviously so far it has quite, quite a bit. However, I don't, Connor McDavid's not usually that guy that stands in front of the net and is going for rebounds that where those goals are going to increree. right? He, he, he's a guy that on a breakaway who's got that. Sh- I mean, he, he can pretty much do anything, but 
he's usually not that guy that's going to stand in front of the net and, you know, take a pounding and try and bang one in for the rebound unless he just happens to be at the right place, right time. Right. So he's, he's not that kind of front of the net presence guy. Um, so in that case, I don't think that the, that's going to necessarily increase his, his goal count. Um, I think he's going to flirt with it, but I don't think he's going to reach 150. Well, I hope you're wrong, but just to give you guys context, the last time that a player scored over 150 points was Mario Lemieux in 94, 95, might've been 95, 96, one of those two years. So it hasn't happened in, um, in the 2000, you know, to 2000 era. Um, on top of that, and it's, this is absolutely fucking hilarious. If Connor McDavid had played an entire season last, last year, the, uh, the adjusted points and our goals and assists would have been 50 goals and 108 assists for 158 points right now <laughs> freaking freaking hockey reference hockey reference adjusted what he has right now because he's he's scoring at at uh, 2.5 points per game <laughs> they adjusted him for 129 goals and 80 assists for 209 points <laughs> i don't think that's gonna happen but wow we haven't seen that since gretzky and that would be absolutely insane that that won't happen the goalies and defense are just way too good this isn't college football right james <laughs> I, it's not but i mean the way you just expanded upon that was like Dak prescott before he got hurt last year he's on track for six thousand yards passing yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's not gonna happen but i do think i mean I, I i would love to see him hit 150 points that would be absolutely insane um so you know hope you hope you do it kid um but that's all i got holy puck what a first week holy puck i'm i'm so happy hockey is back i mean and then we're going to get basketball back actually this week. So we're going to have all four tomorrow. major sports tomorrow, tomorrow, all four major sports going on at the same time. It's the best time of year for sports. October is amazing. Uh, so, I mean, I think someone at work asked me if I was watching some certain stuff, like a certain show that he was been trying to get me to watch. I'm like, dude, it's October. It's sports month, man. I'm go home. I'm, I'm putting on some game. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's a game on that I want to watch. And that's what I'm doing when I get home. So, yes. uh, Happy October sports fans. Uh, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up here for episode 69. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We're coming up here on, on 70 episodes, which is pretty incredible. Uh, hopefully we got more, more, more bodies on the, on the pod last year, but hopefully you enjoyed this kind of, you know, shorter version uh, of the pod this week. Thanks again for hopping in on listening. We really appreciate your support. Share it with everybody uh, with however you want to share it. You know, you can, you can burn it on a CD and hand it out on the street like people in Hollywood do or whatever you want to do, you know, just do, just do what you want to do. You can do it, you know, the, you know, the normal way by, you know, texting it to people, which is probably a better way to do it. But uh, either way, just share it. Sharing is caring and that's all that matters. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's bad. Happy episode 69 and uh, hope you have a great week.